It's been a real movie this whole time. In honor of New Mutants, only in theaters, what franchise needs a horror movie entry? Uh, I'm Katie Rich. I feel like the Fast and Furious franchise, like, set entirely inside a car garage, lots of weapons in there. There's potential. A haunted car? Yeah. Ooh. Maximum overdrive, but make it Vin Diesel? I'm Matt yes. Patches. I'm going to go with um, Fighting in the War Room. No. Um, we should do it. We should do a horror episode. Uh, Every I'm, episode I'm is a horror episode. <laughs> hey! <laughs> hey. Uh, my real answer is, uh, I, uh, you know, now that they're making more MacGruber, I feel like I want to see a MacGruber horror episode or movie or something. Something MacGruber. Interesting. I'm David the Seven, and I'm going to go with Star Trek. Apparently, it's down to a traditional sequel and a Quentin Tarantino period piece anyway. Why not throw a horror movie in there? Uh, and I'm David Ehrlich, and I will go with Transformers. <laughs> a, uh, a movie in which every piece of technology, no matter how benign looking it seems, that our hero encounters turns out to be a alien, uh, what are they, not the Autobots, Decepticon, that trying to kill you. is trying to kill him or them. Uh, much like I think real technology might be. Or maybe I've just been playing too much Horizon Zero Dawn. I don't know. I feel like around 2010, someone definitely pitched this. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine then, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room. It's episode 314. It's pandemic 24. It's the week of Wednesday, August 26, 2020. Oh, wow. That's the day that on, in 1996, a show called Seventh Heaven debuted on a channel called the WB. What memories? We all know where we were. Why did I David watch Seventh? any of that show? I guess I think it was on in the afternoons, my sister. So. We didn't get the WB when I was a t- like I, I like never watched Dawson's Creek. We didn't get those channels for some reason. Jessica Biel and I had the same orthodontist. Is that true? <laughs> yes, that's why I that's why I watched that's why your in Denver. What? Uh, no, outside of outside of Boulder, Colorado. Oh, why? Why? Why was Jessica Biel in Boulder? Is she from there? I think she did some growing up there. Didn't huh? didn't we all who have been there? What beautiful you, teeth uh, yeah, you did both you have. About the teeth? Thank you. What? Did you ask the about teeth? the teeth? Yeah. I didn't, like, ever meet her, but, like, as somebody who was getting right, but when you're chatting done, with the orthodontist, were you like, how are her teeth? I mean, no, that's kind of just assumed. You tried not to be if weird it, about it? If the orthodontist is already bringing up Jessica Biel, like, what else do you think? He's like, no, why would I? I just nodded and just kept my mouth open. Yeah. Sure, you don't keep your mouth shut at the orthodontist. That's wow. Here we are. This is what we talk about when we don't have reviews. What a great podcast. <laughs> that everyone would want to rave about. Uh, if you, if you don't life. leave us a review, we will talk more about orthodontia. No, I, I, no, we need to really drop the hammer and get serious here in honor of the horror of the new mutants. It has now been two consecutive weeks of that review in our time of, of uh, isolation, disconnect. Uh, I think, you know, if we don't have a review by uh, next week's episode, we are going to have to ritualistically sacrifice one of the hosts. And it's not going to be one of the ones that you want us that you to, like, like yeah. me or Matt Patches. We're going to start, <laughs> we're going to start with Katie or Dave. So yeah. just, just keep that in mind and leave us yeah. a review on iTunes, Fighting in the War Room. 
but then David has to come raise my children for me, and then maybe that makes a pretty promising. Listen, spell. we're going to start with Dave. Okay. <laughs> if you don't leave oh. a review this week, next week's episode, the theme is, what is art? <laughs> <laughs> we'll argue if video games are art again. And I will, shut, well, I will shut leave down the, the conversation. Oh, Jesus. Oh, we are getting around to that time of year when you guys shut down the podcast. It was right before Toronto. <laughs> I remember it well. That old time of year when fighting in the war room. Yeah, it always coincides with a pumpkin spice season. Pumpkin spice season is here. I don't know if you've been to the grocery store recently, but pumpkin spice uh, Cheerios are all over. Mm. And actually, the, you know what's well, I have a mini segment idea. <laughs> but maybe no. this, I should say you want to save it for when it's time for the mini segment. Yeah, I, I just came up with the mini segment. We'll talk okay. about it during the All mini right. segment. This uh, is great. Suspense. Planning the podcast right now. Yeah, I know. I got a really good idea. All right. Well, while we as we record this, the Republican National Convention is kicking off its first night. Uh, I am not watching it. Uh, I'll be watching some of it. I watched all of the DNC, uh, and I will be wow, watching. Biased much? Well, I don't know. Biden Maybe not much. all of it, but uh, <laughs> oh. I, mm, um, I was helping cover it for work, so I watched all of it, even oh. the boring parts, and then I watched the parts I thought were going to be boring, like the roll call that turned out to be great. Um, and I'm going to be helping cover the VMAs on Sunday, which they are going to be doing in New York City in kind of Wait, like a variety of... Are, hold on, the VMAs <laughs> Sunday? Uh, yeah, are wow, the VMAs guys. Are, are they part of the RNC? Yeah, they're part of the RNC. They're happening uh, in the Charlotte, North Carolina of the mine. Kanye um, is speaking. Uh, oh, no, they're going to be doing like various like outdoor performances, like Kiki Palmer is hosting in some of these locations. I think it's going to be kind of convoluted. I've also been doing interviews with Emmy nominees where apparently they have been asked, like, you can either pre-record an acceptance speech or you can have a, like a small camera crew in your house so that they can capture you in case you win. So you get to choose if you want to jinx it by giving your speech. Um, and then there was this photo that went around of uh, this guy, Glenn Weiss, who you might remember um proposed to his girlfriend at the Emmys a couple years ago. Uh, remember what I'm talking about? He had won oh, yeah. the, uh, he, he won the, won the Emmy for producing the Oscars. Oh, right. uh, he also, he also produced the DNC. So this photo that his now fiance took of him and she wrote this very sweet caption on Instagram about how amazing he no, is. I so I was very happy to, to hear that they're, they're doing well. By now, I, think. I think she said, no, she said boyfriend. Yeah. I think she said, no, boyfriend. they have yeah. now backtracked. That's <laughs> well, they're, they're still happy together. So we're fine with it. But anyway, he had this in, like insane setup in his living room to be able to produce the DNC. Um, and I mean, Dave probably has more insight on this than I do from having like, worked in producing uh, television in some ways, but I'm just kind of amazed by the logistics of it. And with the DNC, I was kind of amazed that it worked pretty well. Like other than Kamala Harris's speech, which was kind of in this like nightmare, empty like hallway, um, the production has all gone pretty well. And I'm like cautiously optimistic that the VMAs and the Emmys can maybe continue that. Have you guys felt as optimistic as I have that like all of these pandemic broadcasts, while, like while not normal can be kind of interesting for it? Yes. I, 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 I did think that the DNC was successful in a way I wasn't expecting. Because um, you expected it to be a, a hot mess. No, I, I, didn't, I didn't expect it to be a hot mess. I expected it to be a series of... I was having flashbacks to Comic-Con a at series home, of which I hope, messes. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, I don't know if anyone on this podcast experienced Comic-Con via YouTube this year. But it was just like a bunch of Zoom calls. And that shit's super duper boring. I refuse to go to Comic-Con unless I can smell it. It's always been my policy, and I'm sticking to Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, Yeah, they really need to send Scratch and Sniff out next time they go all digital. Um, But yeah, Comic-Con suffered from really having no life to it. Like You could get the whole cast of Star Trek together. And they could be performing and riffing because they're all on a Zoom call together, and, and and it's lifeless. Like there's really no, there's no action, there's no drive, there's nothing to show up for, and the the rapport is never going to be the same as if you're in the room or if you're feeling the crowd. Um, I mean, we were talking a little bit th- about this a few weeks ago uh, with the NBA games. Like, how do you recreate the energy of a full stadium and get people like hyped? So that was another fear combined with. I assume it was all going to be Zoom calls, and they they struck a chord. Maybe it was the speeches were just good enough. Maybe the the editing was strong. Uh, I think the editing is the really key component. Where like you know when even the the Zoom call segment they had with all the like previous candidates like led by Cory Booker, like they edited the shit out of that. They got all the awkward pauses out of there. Like they made it tight. Uh, and, I mean, there were so few live events that happened in the DNC at all to kind of account the for that. The editing and the direction also improved uh, on the fly over the course of the week. I mean, Tuesday was, or Monday, whatever the first night was, was a bit of a train wreck. But if you watch the way that the speeches were directed and edited, the improvement from Kamala's speech to Biden's speech, not in terms of what was said, but in terms of how it was shot, where on Kamala's speech they were cutting a little radically – couldn't figure out if they wanted to stick to a wide or something closer. And by the time yeah. Biden's speech came around the next night, they really had a sense of how to slowly push in and, and get maximum uh, impact out of what he was saying. Um, it seemed, you know, easily fixable things, mistakes that the director should have known going into it. But, you know, you got to give some wiggle room, some grace for uh, production of this kind. That's kind of unprecedented. But um I think that it did, from what I could tell, and Katie, you watched a lot more of it than I did, so you can confirm or deny, but it really forced the emphasis to be on the speeches because there was less of a spectacle. And Mm -hmm. the worst parts were, you know, the moments after they were done talking and they were waving at the walls of televisions awkwardly. Uh, But (laughs) the, um, the speeches themselves became even more of a main event than usual. I mean, there was a fewer trappings around them and uh, I I found you know obviously I'll I'll think differently about whatever spectacle Republicans come up with to end their week of hell Thunderdome that they're in the middle of racing around right now but um, there was something kind of uh, awe-inspiring about the fireworks display with Kamala and Joe Mm -hmm. Biden and their spouses outside wearing masks in front of a bunch of people parked in a parking lot um, and, you know, honking their horns. And it felt resilient. It felt like the end of Deep Impact or something, you know, like it felt like... uh, In front of uh, a destroyed Lincoln Memorial. Yeah, I mean, it felt like nature was healing. (laughs) Um, What was I going to say? Shit. So I'm thinking, oh, so I was thinking about the... um, the way that the Emmys are going to handle acceptance speeches, like if in fact they're going to have like camera crews set up, I was thinking about the moment where at the end, at the end of when they f- formally nominated Biden, which was on like not the night he gave his sp- big speech, and he was in his like the library of the school where his yeah. wife gave a speech, and then his grandchildren like popped up behind him with confetti. Like I'm kind of hoping maybe mom- the Emmys becomes moments like that, where it's like people in their house with like their kids around, like celebrating them, and they, they give their like flustered speech surrounded by like their pets or something. There's yeah, well- there's potential there to make it like intimate but not like stilted the way that zoom calls feel it's like a sweeted 
version of, <laughs> of the see, Emmy. <laughs> to use the Michelle Gondry be kind yeah. of line terminology from ages ago, it's it really feels like what if we had to pretend like we're in a giant stadium and but balloons are dropping, but you're in your house. How would you do it? Like I guess it's almost what Jimmy Fallon does sometimes too. And, yeah, and the the low key nature of it all is what makes it more special. I, that moment was really. Cute. Maybe I'm just like dying for something sweet and people in this system that I can give two shits about. But um, I mean, the DNC, as you said, the roll call was the most uh, kind of heartwarming, authentic part of it, even though it's super manufactured. They're like setting up these compositions in front of important, you know, some of the <laughs> some of the shots of people. Uh, in different parts of the country, the way they were composed, it was like band photos or it shots was, of I mean, people like, and of fried seafood dishes yeah yeah or like cast shots from the latest cbs sitcom or something the way that they were kind of stacked yeah it was very strange that's the most genuine television moment about it which is why i think you know <clears throat> it was interesting i watched bits of speeches speeches but i didn't watch like enough run of it to necessarily speak it to the how overall production works but like in theory this could be an interesting time for like some new blood to get into the world of like live television. Not that gentleman and his fiance, maybe, you know, girlfriend isn't pioneering <laughs> a way of uh, doing it himself. And, you know, the experts will always be the experts, but it's um, like when, uh, what is it? Seth Meyers is going back to his studio. So at one point at the end of one of his segments, he talked about, reaching out to a guy on YouTube who was doing criticism about how late night hosts were filming in their house and like using him to set up a new place and how to shoot in his house. And I feel like if you were opening the Emmys up to like these creatives to have like potentially, you know, three seconds and a nominating grid on zoom or, you know, get to give, uh, you know, a speech from their house, you could have a situation where it's like, I'm now interested in watching them read, the nominations for like best supporting actress because i want to see what little setup they have going uh yeah you know and do that i have less know. i have less faith in professional tv actors being interesting and weird than like dnc delegates from around the country like I, you know you don't true. know if you're gonna get anything quite as entertaining as that but yeah like i think if someone is willing to be more like seth myers and be like hey i don't know as much about producing producing something from my house here's someone from tiktok who knows more about it than i do like there's i mean maybe the vmas are where to look to for something yeah like i mean that was obviously for sure that's it's a great forecast for for what's to come, and hopefully have some other kind of broadcasts like the VMAs will, uh, will the ethos will embrace. But for the DNC, which is really aimed at uh, you know undecided white voters in the heart of this country <laughs> of a, of yeah. a certain older age, um, that was probably you know they, they had to keep things modest and. Uh, but they did have Sarah Cooper, TikTok star, so even the DNC figured out how to sure. embrace some amount of digital. I mean, the fact no. that I know who Sarah Cooper is means she's not especially youthful. Exactly. I mean, this, the whole broadcast was definitely for, a, for an older generation. And uh, I, think, I think what's most interesting about the DNC and everything in this election cycle going forward, I recall four years ago, which we were still doing this podcast because we've been doing this podcast forever. Um, mm-hmm. We had a conversation about kind of the cinematic value that we were experiencing in the election, whether it was uh, Hillary and Trump on, on, you know, roaming the country and, and different photo and video ops interviews, whatever, or like when they were debating, 
I think we were talking a lot about the cinematic value, how cameras were telling the story of this election. And what's so interesting is is the cinematic value of all of this has gone completely away in mm-hmm. the COVID era. There's no cinematic value to any of this shit anymore. It is just raw garbage being spewed in our faces 24-7. And maybe what was so beautiful about the, the roll call is like, Here's a, just a smidge of, of Here's a consideration Here's a and beach. composition and like yeah. beauty and landscape and using what a camera is meant to do and have a purpose as opposed to the camera that's built into your laptop. Um, yeah. It is just uh, – we're waiting for a drip of yeah. that. And it, it's amazing well, how much hope that were, gives you. The fireworks did that too. Like the, you know, them against the backdrop of these like huge lights. Like it's like the biggest space you've seen in – Right. Months. You know, it, it, it was, I think that's part of why they were so moving. And also, uh, not to get too political in this segment about a uh, political, political convention, convention, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think the roll call really showed the breadth of um, people across this country and the kinds of people who are part of the Democratic coalition who are supporting Joe Biden. Uh, and you could tell in the moment just how impossible it would be for Trump's people to find a similarly broad coalition of voters. Um, and I imagine the Republican roll call will look very, very different. So that was part of it as well. But yeah, the actually, I think this is that's a detail they may keep in 2024, assuming that there's not another pandemic and that we still have conventions in a country to host them, uh, is that they will probably still have live representatives. Because they're cutting to the Edmund Pettus Bridge, cutting to Hawaii, cutting to the, you know, it turns out milkshake duck of a uh, calamari holder in Rhode Island, who's uh, maybe not racist as far as I know, but is on the fence about voting for a Democrat. Um, but uh, and that became a whole news thing. But it, it definitely uh, gave you a sense of, of place, the purpose of what we're actually fighting for. Um, and that's a detail that might survive the post-COVID era. So for this week's mini segment, I want to I want to relay an experience I had and, and just gauge oh, your. Oh, opinions. you're just this you're is just doing no, it. I thought no, this is no, going to be Pat just tells a story. No, no, this is not. I'm not going to tell a story. I'm going to throw it directly to you very quickly. And here it is. I okay. went to the grocery store this weekend, and guess what? It's Halloween, everybody. It's Halloween. It's right now. The candy is out. It's time to gear up for Halloween. And it made me wonder: Are we doing Halloween this year? Does Halloween is Halloween going to be cool? This year, Halloween's going to be different this year, right? Or maybe I just want to take, I want to test the waters here. Is Halloween going forward? Are we doing Halloween as planned? Because the stores are ready for Halloween. And in in all things America right now, capitalism is leading the way. And, you know, movie days are going to open, so we're going to have movies. Everything's fine. Um, I I, I didn't know if Halloween actually, like, does it matter? If people come to your door looking for candy, is that a big deal? I don't know. Is Halloween I, on? I've, I've thought this through. So, okay. So, adult Halloween, I think, is over. Like, I, I think you do not have a Halloween party as an adult. you got nowhere to go. You're not going to go to a bar. Forget it. Kid Halloween trick-or-treating, I think if you have your candy on your porch, you're there. You interact with the kids from a safe distance. They're probably wearing masks anyway. Everyone gets individually wrapped candy and then washes their hands before they get home and eat their chocolate. I think it's fine. Especially if you're like in your neighborhood, like primarily around people who you already know. It's a lot of ifs. I got no problem with it. That's a lot of ifs, I think. But like, like our neighborhood gets a lot of kids from other neighborhoods who come and take candy. Like if kids who I don't know are on my steps and I put the candy bowl, like I'm not like handing it to them like I normally would, but I'm like, hey, take one and get out of here. 
I feel like did, that's fine. Like, you know how am I putting myself in a one of those long that, things that they use at church to collect them up? Oh, yeah. The good thing is that the masks are sort of built into the holiday. So yeah, you can, that's true. Uh, so I would that, assume that, that you're going to. I think parents are going to have to like be around the kids trick or treating more than they might otherwise be. Like depending on where you are, you know, you don't let your eight year olds like wander off on their own, and everyone has to wear masks. But I would expect in like most kid oriented spaces that they are going to find a way to make trick or treating work, even if it's like you go to your five friends' houses. I think that to a certain degree, the trick or treating is going to be inevitable. So I think the onus is going to be on the, the neighborhoods to find ways, the people who mm-hmm. live in them, to find ways to make them safe. Uh, yep. Because there are going to be many, many spots in this country that just do not give a fuck. Uh, and I'm not saying it's going to be the next motorcycle rally from South Dakota that gets all these people killed, but uh, it's not going to help the spread of coronavirus. I mean, it will help the spread of coronavirus. It's not going to help us in dealing with it. Uh, so I do yeah. think that it, it comes down this to parents being responsible to like have individually wrapped bars and keep them at a distance and understand the kids are going to come through. I'm All those years we for... spent worrying about people poisoning uh, Halloween <laughs> right? candy has prepared us for this moment. Everything's going to be very yeah, thoroughly. Well, uh, well, in that instance, they canceled Halloween. That was the thing. They, they back did? In the 80s when that happened, they kind of canceled Halloween. Yes. Wait, really? Yes. And then the cal- and the Halloween costume market plummeted. This is a whole saga. Read about it on Thrillist. We, we published a great story about this. It's, it's oh, now I see where this whole segment is. I don't work about. there anymore. I'm only promoting <laughs> for the goodness of my heart. Um, I did want to say before Dave chimes in, Everyone, I'm going to be championing in my neighborhood. Everyone will be Scorpion or Sub Zero for Mortal Kombat for Halloween because they, they come with the masks, baby. Dave, what do you think? Halloween? Uh, I live in an apartment building, basically with no children, and uh, in an urban center, so I'm not too concerned about it here. But I am looking forward to, like in our last segment, the positive side of creativity. It's going to come out of this. The parents that will uh, make hazmat-based haunted houses for mass children and uh, you know, we'll figure out ways of distributing candy through maybe a candy launcher from an upper like deck porch. I feel like there are ways for creativity to work here because as Katie pointed out, like already a parent should be monitoring the candy that is going in your child's body and where they get it from. So if you keep that amount of vigilance and just adapt a little bit to virus and it's not really that much because it's not like uh, you know, everyone was bobbing for apples on Halloween. Just, just do I, the the door to door stuff. A Let candy launcher. Cool costumes. I'm absolutely getting a candy launcher. I think that is a great idea. Yeah. So at least this will put launcher. an end to the people who give out like pennies on Halloween. That's clearly a no no. Did you ever have that? People, but people need pennies. pennies. They wear change is a no, major crisis in our country. That's true. CVS has signs up. Gives out the little hand sanitizers. Just like. Ugh. Oh, yeah. so like that would be a good. That would be good. That, you're such a dad. That would be horrible. Patches, give, give them candy. <laughs> no, I mean, well, maybe everyone, every house should get a dispenser for outside before. Well, that going would be good. That bowl. would also be good. I'm just That's saying, a good give tip. Them, give give uh, trick or treaters candy. Patches, I'm assuming this is going to be the first year that Eleanor cares what she is for Halloween. Or, sorry, your child cares what she is for Halloween. Uh, <laughs> wow, what, thanks what for doxing my child, kid. Yeah. What is she going to be? Oh, my God, I, I as if I had any amount of thought put into this i i think we came ask up with her, her. you gotta start asking her what she wants to be oh you're right you're right you're right last year she was ben franklin um, wow because we had a good coat and i bought the right glasses and, and a wig it was really cute. make her the joker the joker so she can write all the haws she wants why so serious um, yes well the oh good news God. is it sounds like halloween is on according to the four of us i'm curious and, about and your grocery here. store and the grocery store that and really the grocery wants store. to buy reese's cups 
Yeah, I would love to hear from people who have like active plans for how to ha- handle Halloween. Based on my neighborhood listserv and how active it's been lately, I feel like they're going to have a strategy pretty soon. And I'll report back. I would especially love to hear from them uh, in their reviews portion of our <laughs> iTunes page so that poor Dave Gonzalez doesn't have to die. Uh, David, do you have a do you have a costume plan for Asa? Yeah. What's he going to be? Staying inside, wrapped in saran wrap. Yeah, I, I can't say. Oh my god! Only that it will be very on brand. Is it Totoro? No, more on brand. <laughs> <laughs> is it Paddington? <laughs> is it the swan dress? It's the swan dress. He's gonna be he's gonna be the swan, and I'm gonna wear him in the dress. That'd be, that'd be incredible. <laughs> I could make a pretty good costume, actually. Turn Charlie may Charlie is threatening to be a dinosaur for the fourth year in a row. Which oh my is god, really Charlie! Weird. Why not? There's lots of different dinosaurs. I mean, yeah, he says he wants to be. A, well, we we have three dinosaur costumes in our house, and like now we're in danger of getting a fourth. At least <laughs> let him be a robot dinosaur from Horizon Zero Dawn. The earth, the earth, the earth is on fire. We don't have no daughter. Let the motherfucker burn. For our final segment, we'll talk about the greatest live event staged during the COVID pandemic. It's called DC Fandom. Oh, 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 oh. Yes, DC Fandom. Wait, was there an was echo this past in the weekend? Fandom? Yeah, there, there was. Well, the, the the dome is very big, and, yeah. and so if you yell up into it, of course, in the Hall of Heroes, been, to be exact. Has there ever been a real life fandom, or is this a term that they came up with for now? No, this is completely bespoke to the uh, COVID era. <laughs> it's a bespoke, bespoke dome. Yes. Well, it, it, I mean, here's the funny thing: it is a bespoke dome because. Jim Lee, artist, comic artist, and the publisher of DC Comics, apparently drew the fandom, and they they built it in a computer. And so this was not streamed on YouTube or Twitch or anything. You had to enter the fandom and navigate what? into the Hall of Heroes where the panels were. What? So it was a it was a it was a dimensional space. In the Digiverse, that, that you, you had like to access go through your like web browser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't completely. I so they actually with days before DC Fandom launched, and and for people who have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about, DC Fandom is basically Comic Con, but they didn't want to go to Comic Con, so they just DC just did its own thing with all of its movies and TV shows. Um, and it was going to be also with the comics, and there was going to be a cosplay element, interactive stuff. They split it into two days, two different domes, um, with just days before the event. It was a very strange move, but I think it's because it was too big. Like, uh, there was too like much happening the bandwidth at once. was too much? Yeah, because you were supposed to literally uh, enter the kind of digital convention hall and go to different panels but here it was mostly just entering the hall of heroes which was this big arena the dome itself i suppose where i uh, uh, alicia alicia tyler i yeah alicia tyler. Aisha, tyler. Aisha, tyler. Aisha, tyler. aisha tyler she was the big host and you actually saw her kind of like standing against a green screen in the dome hosting the panels and like moving people talent in and out and they had big screens within screens where the cast of wonder woman would pop up and do their interviews or like matt reeves when he was talking about the batman he walked into the dome um, so this was not a zoom call this was like a fully staged 3d event uh with lots so of where graphics. was matt reeves to walk into the dome was he like just on a soundstage somewhere in front of a green screen i guess it, i mean it was all pre-recorded 
so this is like when but, J.J. But, Abrams came onto Fortnite. You're just it like, is, what? yes, right, yeah. It is definitely trying to be like Second Life style. Uh, and the cool thing about it was, and I was kind of knocking Comic Con earlier in the first segment, but what I hated about Comic Con at home was that they were all YouTube videos, but none of them were staged as premieres, like the premiere technology on YouTube, where you're literally like you have to watch it in real time, you have to show up, and you can watch it live. Um, the the YouTube panels, the pre-records, you could scrub them. You can just go to the end and watch the trailer and peace out, or like. I don't know. That's it's not the flavor of Comic Con. It's not the spontaneity. It doesn't feel like you're watching something that's transpiring. Um, you're watching a video on YouTube at Comic Con, and this was like you actually have to sit there, and if you miss something, fuck you because it's happening. And you and they they uh, they ran encore panels as you would at Comic Con um, later in the night. But if you missed part of it, you were you missed it, and that, I find that kind of awesome. I like things that are look. I, I'm all for inclusivity but i'm also like hey show up and be the fan if you're oh, actually part of the fan much also, it is a little bit gaper yeah but uh, you also have the you the, there was no registration for fandom you could walk right in um you didn't have to sign up for anything and get a million emails all you do is go to fandom.com and you watched it it was great and then there were you, say, later. you know if you miss something you miss something you know i'm coming from the perspective of someone who uh couldn't find the fandom with the map from uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Shut <laughs> and, uh, the hell! Oh, um, wow, are you getting paid for this? Uh, yeah, I am actually. <laughs> I finally found a way for this podcast to make money, and you're stepping all over it. Um, it's like <laughs> advertising a three-year-old video game. Uh, no, but as someone who was sort of very casually following along on Twitter, but did not have the courage to enter the fandom, uh, you know, at the end of the day, all the trailers were already online. They were on IndieWire.com. Sure. IndieWire, the definitive source for all of your film needs uh and you could just go watch them there so i have to what extent did it feel like you would really miss out on the special moment if it was um all going to be online moments later as I, a comic-con well, is i don't think yeah i don't think that necessarily was the thing especially not like covid times it's the fact that if you did show up there was a plus for your content yes everyone's going to get to see the trailers that are the advertising great but if you showed up and you had an experience that a whole bunch of people put a lot of work into, uh, like shaping, that is even more than experiences like this we've seen in the past. You know, they've done, they've tried to do some Comic Con events that have like some online elements to some degree uh, before Comic Con at home <clears throat> that hasn't haven't been great, and then. Uh, Marvel, of course, right before Phase 3, Kevin Feige just decided that instead of doing like a Comic-Con panel, he was going to have his own event at the El Capitan Theater, which is great, when you could all like go in a theater and it's short. But if you're going to have an extended, you know, fan event, uh, like, make the person's time who show, shows up worthwhile. I, I mean, when I was, like, like against stuff leak uh like not being let out of comic-con <clears throat> it was because they would like show footage to everybody and then pretend like everybody in that room was like you know capable of keeping a secret what's cool about dc fandom is they want you to you know have this one-time experience but by the nature of being a digital event if anybody wanted to pirate it they pirated it so yeah. i'm not I'm, like less concerned about information loss and uh, I think it was like a a cool attempt. Uh, again, I did not. What, watch what did you did you watch the whole thing? Yeah, because let, let's be clear, it started at one, 
and I got off my computer at ten thirty at night. So and it went straight through. You like there was an no stopping. Day of your child's life because you were trapped. She was fine. Room. A bunch of it was napping and and fucking <laughs> um, around or whatever. Wait, she but does. I, I, don't know. I mean, I, I get. Well, I guess the real question. As much as I want to comment on how we, it sounds like we were spared the stuff of like. You know, your Robert Rodriguez is being like, now no one, this is all just for us. Like, nobody share it. And then Zack Snyder coming on after showing the trailer for fucking Sucker Punch or something and being like, do you want to see it again? And then everyone clapping. And they'd be like, do you want to see it again? And then they show it again. And then all the news stories are like, it was so fucking hype that Zack Snyder had to show the trailer three times. This is what you're spared? Is that what, well, yeah, this is what you're spared. Well, because that, I will say this. I will say that about what you're docking. That's that's not that fun to like read about necessarily, especially when you're a cynic it's, like you. But being in the room, it actually is very fun. It actually uh, is very fun. Um, no. And uh, also, <laughs> I, I wanted to paraphrase the uh, founder uh, and creator of Nixium. Uh, if you watched the pilot episode of that documentary last night, oh, who was talking about the difference between cynics and skeptics. And I, sir, uh, am a skeptic and not a cynic. I did my time in Comic-Con. But uh, my question is, yeah, can they go back to in-person exclusive experiences in the room yes. in San Diego Comic-Con? A- or people, are, oh, people I was going ask to, too. are people going to demand access something like this now that they've been now once you go into i think the your fandom, problem can you come out i think your problem is getting chris pine to ever go in person to comic-con again once they've managed to do this like the, i think people will still want the experience of being at comic-con but will uh, big movies be able to get their talent to deal with going to San Diego? i think you're underestimating the fun that talent actually yeah. has to go out and be part of a big screaming like they are movie stars they never have an audience in front of them praising them and worshipping them. And that That's is a fair. huge part of people wanting to even show up to Comic-Con, just to hear the audience roar. So I, I don't think... I think it's going to be very easy to put the uh, the snakes back in the nut can. Is that right? <laughs> um, wow. That's, isn't it a nut gonna, can that you open it up and then the snakes yeah, pop yeah. up? Yes, yeah. you you'll I'm, be able to put gonna, the snakes back in the nut can. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to counter-argue this. Uh, really? I think that the brands are going to do this sort of thing with more regularity. I think the difference between the convention mindset and what these are, which are essentially like, you know, infomercials, um, has already been separating and we've already kind of seen the fray between like big studios and like San Diego Comic-Con, um, which isn't to say that those conventions can't be very specific things, but my hope is that they could return more to what they were originally, which is the stuff that's more about like fan content and like maybe you have a few speakers or whatnot, but it isn't all necessarily about trailers or whatnot. What I'm don't say whatnot so much. Dave. What not? What I <laughs> thank you. Uh, what I'm more can or uh, I guess like what looks like a forward facing path towards me is these brands doing something like what Nintendo Direct does, which mm-hmm. is like all of a sudden it's like all right. Everyone tune in digitally. We've got some new stuff. Guess what's coming out next week? And you get like a surprise drop. You get like a Cloverfield movie from like a bad robot con or something that's held digitally. I can see those sorts of things moving forward. Because I think there's little downside. There's less downside to preparing a presentation like that and executing it than there is to uh, going to a con where there's all sorts of like fan interaction where there is, you know, you have to pay people's like different performance fees. You could start rolling these things into the publicity for the movie. And then suddenly like there's a fan dome, you know, three times a year. 
and people will show up for that fandom if it drops, you know, I think that they particular way. could, I mean, obviously this costs a lot of money to produce, so I don't know how easy it would be to replicate fandom. But then again, right. maybe because they built it, maybe <laughs> fandom can never be torn down. Uh, maybe fandom is they forever. They built it and they came. Um, I just don't I, think, I think that w- you should be able to host a fandom and have everyone come out of it alive. I think there should be yeah, one. Sure. 2036 will be like, re- redesign the fandom, please. I keep clicking uh, on my hand like a plebeian. In hindsight, do you think that uh, HBO deciding to air the melting block of ice that ultimately revealed the season premiere date of Game of Thrones season whatever was uh, that a historic was so frustrating. point? I want to put my foot down here because I watched 10 some hours of fandom and I enjoyed myself. And I was surprised that I enjoyed myself and i think there's a few reasons um i'd be curious about i'd I'd be curious about what ended up like transcending and and reaching you i mean katie you watched all of the trailers that have premiered you watched at least Zack snyder's justice league trailer and you were blown away can we talk about the Zack snyder tweet for one second like i i I didn't even see the tweet can you set set it up so I mean, as far as I can tell, and again, I was trying to view this uh, from a certain distance, but just for my own mental well-being, but Scott Mendelson, who's like a box office pundit, uh, tweeted something pretty benign about uh, the footage from the... Which had leaked. It should be known that it leaked hours and hours ahead of time. Right. And right. So, you know, maybe you should have waited. Whatever. I don't really care. But he he said something pretty benign as far as his actual criticism of the trailer, where he was saying that most of the footage looked like alternate angles from scenes that people had already seen before. And Zack Snyder, who, like, every time you want to extend this entire fucking thing, an, an iota of goodwill has to roll up and remind you that it's just as bad as uh, the worst people who celebrate the Snyder Cup would have you believe, was like, this is uh, something for grown-ups, not for children. Like, like implying that, there's something to that effect, implying that uh, Scott Mendelson didn't have the intellectual capacity or maturity to rock with the Snyder Cut. Uh, and it was just like such a fucking juvenile response to someone who's been giving like, from a gift from god or satan 25 million dollars or whatever it is to finish this aberration of a movie that should have been forgotten to time if not for a hashtag campaign that i compared without a agenda or bias but simply from watching the reality of this unfold and seeing some of the the nature of the fandom around it to like q on for nerds which it very much feels like it is yeah and no bias. making it making it real is uh not going to change that fact but i mean just uh, man just when it seemed like people might rally around this and give it a shot and just for the morbid curiosity of it all, Zack Snyder reminded us that he has really nothing – there's there's really no integrity there. David, David, uh, you mean the David. trailer didn't make you not want to rally behind yeah, it? David, what was the secret chord that you played for the Lord? It was time that you give it up. <laughs> it's true. I mean, um, boy. Patches, what was the reaction inside the fandom? Yeah, when to the Leonard Cohen coming back from so, the dead just for the Snyder Cut. Coming back from uh, Zack Snyder's Watchmen, which also used that song, which is why it felt like if I hadn't been watching it on the official like HBO Max whatever YouTube account, I would have assumed it was a parody because it's ins- it's insane. I it's mean, insane. Zack Snyder's panel was definitely the weirdest part of fandom, which probably would have predicted. Um, I don't know if anyone tuned into any of the uh, Snyder Fest 
a few weeks ago. Anybody? Anybody here tuned into Snyder Fest? Short circuit. <laughs> so the so the Snyder <laughs> Cut people, like the fans, put on a festival with a few panels. They interviewed Zack Snyder, his wife Deborah, Ray Fisher, who plays Cyborg. They had a, a counter festival or convention to uh, uh, the Comic Con. Comic Con. And the same weekend. And the videos a were all bigger than convention. all the Comic Con stuff. Yeah, it was really funny. But they, I mean, they did a good job with it. The quality of the video was good. And they actually had like fan interaction. It was, it was, it was good. But it's all, it's all the whole Zack Snyder thing. You know, it's, it's funny. I think if a director got a chance to go back and like add $20 million worth of, of footage to a movie that they were, they had taken away from them, um, in almost any case, we'd be like, this is cool. This should happen. I want to see what happens. And on some level, I do want to see Especially because there's this. like no movies to come out. Like you get why it's a financial gamble. That oh, goes yeah, it. for sure. And now it's going to be four hours long and I can watch it in episodes <laughs> or all four hours at once <laughs> stitched together like a normal movie. I just want to say that real fans are going to watch it all at one go. That's no right. bathroom That's breaks, right. no pauses. The fucking episodic approach is for lightweights cups. and tourists. Yeah. All right? Yeah, no, everybody knows you pee in cups and then pass it off as tea. But um, the, the strange part about the Snyder stuff is he really seems to have bought into the myth. Like part of his panel was fans getting on the phone and he was like, so tell me why this is such an achievement on my part. Like, and would be like, tell me what it felt like when you knew I was going to get to make my movie. What did you think about that? And, 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 it, and it's kind of like, Snydertology? It, it, I'm like, give me a free stress test, Zach. What are you? This is what are you offering? This is a weird way to re-enter the 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 creative community. Yeah, you know, no, and we it, were talking about when he. It, it is also funny that he and that tweet at Scott Mendelson. He like yelled about like and thanks for like watching the leaked trailer because he's been leaking pieces of his own yes. movie to get yes. this fucking thing done. The whole time. The whole time it's a leak. The whole thing is against the establishment. Now he's the establishment and he wants like some fucking credit for it. And it's Does not this remind you of someone else who ran as being against the establishment and is now out in the world as in the middle say, of the establishment wants to tell you that they're all against him? I, wa- I watched the Matt Reeves Batman thing because I was curious. But mm. I, even though I knew Snyder cut was happening, I refused to watch it for the same reason I won't be watching Trump speak at the RNC this week. It's just like why... Why do that to myself? No, I can't even tell you why I did it to myself. So, (laughs) should we we talk about the Batman trailer though? We should. should. I'm going to watch it four hours. Justice League in episodes. Wait, Wait, before we get to the Batman, because it was it was the very end. It was very end of fandom. I just want to like run through the entire experience and why it was good. Mm. You, you're in this convention hall. You're, you get to see people glowing this, the way that they were before. And it was reminded, like, they're talking about movies that will actually come out. They're talking about, like, they're promising me a Flash movie. That means movie theaters might exist. That means movies are still <laughs> going to be made. I was, it was euphoric to sit there and listen to The Rock be like, I'm going to spend 20 minutes yelling at you about Black Adam and how he's going to fight the Justice Society of America. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? This is awesome. Like, thank you for promising that one day your bullshit will have to be on 4,000 screens and, and, and actually happen. I hope this is true. So there was some sort of like by this this culture of looking ahead and always wanting to know what's next and getting little tidbits 
suddenly it, it just enlivened me. Like listening to James Gunn talk about how much he loves this weird, all the weird characters who would never ever be in a movie, uh, polka dot man, weasel. Like what the fuck is he talking about? This is all, I'm, I, it was nerd ass shit. I'll say it. It's my catchphrase. Fandom radical. But like, you. thank you for yeah. dangling something in front of me because more than ever before, I need something dangled in front of me to just and and, and that is a really interesting. In front of that me. is a really interesting take. You know how like the the constant hype machine now uh, feels like an, an act of hope of some kind. Uh, but the <laughs> and also um, fucking gun needs to stop it with that. I had I w- was already sick of the like this is so <laughs> weird, man. Talk around Guardians of the Galaxy. It was like it's a tree. Is it this a seems movie? weirder. It's crazy, and it's like no, this is the world we live in now. And you just desperately want to think that you're somehow da- on David, the guard. I am anyway, on your side about Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't hey, listen, like those movies, I, I like and I Guardians still think Suicide Squad looks good. I, I like so. Guardians of the Galaxy too quite a bit. I just think that calling it like you know some great stand for experimental cinema is not the leg to stand I, on. I that, don't think he's going sense. to that. I but, don't uh, think Dave chime in here. A lot of, his, a lot of fans, a lot of fans. <laughs> that was the conversation around. It's like, oh my god, it's a fucking raccoon in a movie. Marvel is <laughs> broken. Yeah, but it's Suicide like Squad has a weasel. Film on okay, thousand screens. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I I liked Guardians of the Galaxy too. I think the Suicide Squad will almost assuredly be a huge improvement over the previous film. But um, the Batman trailer. Uh, you know, beyond, you know, it, it, the whiplash of the last thing on this earth we need is another Batman movie. I refuse to bury another Batman. Uh, and then having that cast and being like, fuck, I will definitely see this movie and I'll be excited about it. Um, and the trailer looking, you know, par for the course for a Matt Reeves movie and, and coming through in that excitement. Uh, and my personal feeling that Paul good. Dano a, doesn't even appear on good- screen completely steals the whole thing with just two lines of voiceover. Uh, But uh, my feeling, my fear is that by understandably gifting the fans a trailer when they've only shot a quarter of the movie, uh, are we going to be drowning in insufferable posts a year from now about all the things that ended up being cut from the Batman? (laughs) Will the content kill us all? We will certainly at least have some posts. You have yeah. the option not to read them. Do I? This is, doesn't have to Free be for yourself. you. Not everything is for you, David. Shouldn't um, it be? I, I can't get over the the last thing we need is another Batman part of it. Like, sure, I respect and admire many of the people behind this. I'm horrified by what they've done to Colin Farrell, and I'm really mad about it. What's? Uh, can we wait? Pause on that for one second. And I'm glad. First, I just want to acknowledge. I'm glad that with everything going on in the world. This DC fandom has given us a chance to just like talk nitty gritty about a movie and speculate yeah. and well, ramp we it. We really owe fans. it to the DC fans. After Thank you. This. Can I get a round of applause for DC fandom? <laughs> they, they've really been the, the wind beneath our wings for the last few years. And but like, how do you cast Colin Farrell and then put him under? What's the point of putting someone under that much makeup? What do you Don't get? forget they made a movie where they cast Colin Farrell and then replaced him with Johnny Depp in the final but scene. But that's also so such horrible a things silly have line of thought that I've seen from lesser minds than Matt Patches on Twitter today. Where it's like it's they're just how we. Ha- I know, if, but I found on the on. If they're ever going to find them, they're going to be on Twitter patches. I assure you. But the, <laughs> you're not just casting Colin Farrell because of how he looks. It's not a waste of an actor if you're going to make him look like the Penguin. I mean, he is an actor. He's he doesn't look like the Penguin. He's going to bring to the. Park. I know. He doesn't look like the Penguin. He doesn't look like what you think the Penguin looks like. He looks like yeah. a couple of Penguins. Anyway, wow, you're right. I you know what? I, I want to repent and say I had a very narrow 
perspective on what you I thought a the very, penguin could look like. Uh, and, you had uh, a very Danny DeVito-centric nose thing. Wait, nose equals Dave, does the penguin ever have a romantic partner? Given that penguins made for life, wouldn't it make sense that there was He has a wife penguin? in the Harley Quinn cartoon, and they have a son who has is oh. bar mitzvahed. Watch I it. forgot. I forgot that the penguin is an anti-Semitic. He's, he's canonic, no, he's canonically. Yeah, he's canonically Jewish. I, uh, but in terms of like casting Colin Farrell, we saw the, what the 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 Comey rule trailer today with Brendan Gleeson as Trump. And who would have thought that worked? So, like, I'm I'm for it. Yeah. Wait, are you suggesting? Actor. Are we just saying it works? <laughs> he looks like I a mean, big potato. That's true. I mean, and in profile, it seems like he's capturing, like, something. I don't know. It's like, I can't... Yes. I'm I'm for... What I like about what we saw of the Matt Raves Batman is I don't think we saw as much, and obviously because we couldn't, because they've only shot a quarter of it. Uh, I think it works as a really good, uh, like, mood piece. It's basically, like, the most expensive, like, showreel uh, or like proof of concept reel that you could have. Uh, then in the target was the audience who's like, oh no, not another Batman movie. Because it like kind of worked on me. I thought it was, oh no, another Batman movie, but really it's I'm, oh no, not another Ben Affleck Batman movie because we're mm-hmm. getting that with Flashpoint and that made my heart sink a little bit more. I also don't get that. Like, What are the logistics behind having the two Batman out there? So where Marvel has a cinematic universe where oh, all I'm the so characters happy are... Ha- I'm so happy to be talking about this. Should I have asked? Thank you for asking this uh, and being able to share movies and whatnot, DC has decided everything works because the multiverse exists. So Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is as valid as Robert Pattinson's Batman, who is going to coexist uh, in time with the Flashpoint, which is going to feature Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton, both as different Batmans. And they're all just multiverse Batmans. We assume right, they exist. That's fine. Honestly, I kind of like... I prefer that to the like rigorous like thread pulling of the Marvel. I mean, no, I mean I like Marvel movies, but I'm fine with them being like there's two Batman's. Forget about it. It's fine. I I do too, yeah. and and maybe that was part of the relief as well. Like I'm interested to see what Marvel kind of does next. I feel like their whole thing was played out, and they've gone radio silence, and it's interesting. I think they're going to have to really think about all the interconnectivity again. Uh, it made sense for that. 10-year stretch, and now you have DC kind of doing the exact opposite. Here's, like, one Batman movie and another Batman movie, but he's with The Flash, and Michael Keaton's going to be in it, and, like, they're, they're, they can play in all the genres. They can do smaller movies like Joker. They can do big movies. I don't know. The Marvel malaise may not actually sit well after COVID I don't know COVID playing in absence. different genres is something I would say is happening in DC movies yet. Like, I, I guess I didn't see Birds of Prey. Did it feel, like, notably different from the rest of these? I mean, it felt like what Suicide Squad own. was trying to be. Super the the definition of superhero movie has widened. I don't think superhero movies have started doing real genre work. Maybe Wolverine is a western. Maybe Logan. Sorry, you mean Logan? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's an Ozu still, film. It's still it's still the superhero play on the western because you know it has like fucking X Men comics and stuff. I mean, yeah, like we, we lived through the establishing of like this genre being the way that it was and going from like something that was like instantly derided to now we're like, I like this type of superhero movie. I don't like that type of superhero movie. So in that world, I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see. I hope that Marvel continues what it's doing because what I 
don't think gives us better movies is when each studio is trying to do what the other one's doing, which I think is what happened with DC, uh, the initial run of DC movies uh, this past uh, century. So, Including that Justice League movie that we're now supposed to be hyped about because uh, it's being given back to Zack Snyder? Yeah, it's going to be, they've, they, like, it's going to be interesting to be told to invest four hours in something that I'm never going to invest in those characters again because they were resoundly deleted from the DC universe. <laughs> Like I actually he, have a question about that trailer. I yeah. never saw Justice League. Was that all like new footage, or like what? What was that? No, some of it, some of it was new footage. Um, the only footage that hadn't somehow like leaked on the internet, either through Zack Snyder or through unfinished effect shots, when Justice League was actually uh, leaked, was the full rendered shot uh, shots of Darkseid, uh, the Dark Side. Uh, I keep saying it like I'm trying to spell it. I apologize. That's an old internet writer <laughs> habit of mine, of Darkseid. Um, but like the other ones, like the flash, expanded Flash storyline, uh, that leaked in sort of an unfinished VFX form online in its entirety. Uh, the Cyborg football and the Cyborg snow and the new Motherbox stuff with Cyborg, that all leaked in sort of unfinished uh, versions. So I was, like, tuning into the trailer to be like, oh, let's see if he, like, shows up with something that we didn't know existed before. But so far, uh, what he seems to have finished is the stuff that we knew was almost done for the original film anyway. So, like, in terms of, like, I don't know how he's going to make it four hours. I don't know how the dark side story is going to resolve itself in any sort of like meaningful way or what sort of plates they shot for that. But I think the newest thing I've seen from Zack Snyder's justice league cut is Superman in the all black suit, which is something that he just tweeted one day. <laughs> he just tweeted it just out. Tweeted out. Just tweeted it out. I worked on that suit for four years. He just tweeted it out. <laughs> he just tweeted it out. I will say, I mean, I guess to wrap this up, what was encouraging, and why this format could work in the future. I, I don't think this is a replacement for Comic-Con. I think live events will be well off. <laughs> you know, they will do this again. Uh, where they could use this is maybe, as Dave described, something that's like shorter and one-off. And what was fascinating is watching Matt Reeves take the digital stage at Fandom and basically give a lecture for like 30 minutes about what his Batman is all about. He was talking about... Um, this comic Batman ego as a source of inspiration. He was talking about Chinatown and French connection and taxi driver and all these movies. And he was talking about noir <laughs> like and psychology. James Mangold referencing Ozu. That's true. Of, uh, well, I think this makes yeah. a little more, I think this makes a little more sense because his, he's the big thing for him has been, he's talked a little bit fandom at how this is a year two story for Batman. So this is not an origin story for Batman. This is when he's trying to like figure out how to be Batman and how to like far he can go in being a vigilante we get some of this from the trailer. He's punching people pretty hard, maybe uh, too hard, especially in this era of like authority and violence. Like, why is Batman punching so hard? I think in year two, he looks, Batman's he looks wondering. Like he's going crazy. Which he's is going great. a little crazy, and yeah, yeah, he definitely is is asking a lot of questions. And uh, I mean, but th- this this movie's going to lean more into the history of Batman as a detective, and uh, I think the noir stuff does make a lot of sense uh and the dc mode seems to be like graft our superheroes onto movies that have worked before please and um that it obviously worked for joker enough to sway uh, italians into voting it one of the greatest motion pictures of all time and all, of, um, Ita- all, of, all of the italians love all it. of the italians and uh i i don't i i i buy the comparisons here a bit more than james mangold style like just riffing on movies he loves but 
uh, I, I was fascinated to hear Reeves like dig in and like talk on yeah. a dramaturgical level about his movie at a fan convention. It was it, it was pretty enlightening. This movie is going to be cool as shit. Like I can't. This movie's going to be cool. Like, yeah, it's going to be cool, and I I hate it. Like I hate that it's come to this, but uh, it's definitely going to be cool. Why Why do you have to make me like a Batman movie? He's everything. No, I but it's just, he works with the cops. Just, He's a millionaire who could end world hunger at any given time, but decides to make a bat uh, costume. He fights the like, fucking with, riddle guy. He's so bad at riddles. The, the internet solved the riddles in his own trailer when the movie came out is dying around us uh, and all it's propping it up is a Batman movie. Although, why can't we have like Ethan Hunt Con, you know? Like, what's mm. that going to happen? Impossa Con. Because um, <laughs> we have too many Thetans to attend Ethan Hunt Con. Mm. Yeah, they're going to do it on the on SeaTac. What's that book called? Seacrest? Sea... What? You know sea what Org. Sea Org, Org thank yeah. you. Seacrest. Yeah. Oh, God. Seacrest. Seacrest is an airport. Seacrest is you... a, a host of Ryan and Kelly in the morning. And, We're losing uh, our minds. We're going full Snyder We have to stop talking here. before Scientology sues us. <laughs> they're, already, they're already listening, waiting, yeah. D- DC, DC won because Comic-Con was bad, Marvel hasn't been saying anything, and Star Wars got ruined at the end of last year. I will see Aww. you all at Coppola-Con at the On the Rocks panel <laughs> in October. Nosferatu. I'm sorry. Um, I was about to say, I was at Coppola-Con at Comic-Con <laughs> chanting Nosferatu from the background. It's not going to get better than that. <laughs> All right, that does it for this week's show. We'll be back next week unless we all find ourselves trapped in the fandom. Stay tuned. I'll leave us a review. Leave us a review. Or? Or tell people who you are. (laughs) Find the rest of us. Or Dave dies, yes. Uh, Or Dave dies. So be careful. Uh, In the meantime, tell the people who you are. I'm Matt Patches. I'm a senior editor at Polygon.com. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches. And we have a website, fightingintheworm.com, where you can listen to the episodes. You can share them with people who would actually leave a review to save Dave's life. Um, that's it. Think about him. Uh, I'm David Ehrlich. I'm from Great for IndieWire. You can find me on Twitter at David Ehrlich. You can find me on IndieWire. Well, this week I have already written about the Phineas and Ferb movie that's going to be on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Doofenshmirtz Evil Incorporated is back in business, and I'll be writing about the Charlie Kaufman movie or the embargo. For oh, I can't wait to talk Thursday about this, that movie on the uh, podcast. Oh, yeah. Holy yeah, shit. Be, yes, 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 yes. yes. Uh, that'll, be, that'll be next week. Uh, that comes out on September 4th. I guess we'll talk about it next week. Or We should talk about it after, after. it comes out. We need to talk about it after it comes out. All right, um, two weeks from now. It, the week we would usually be into. It's a full spoiler. Yeah. Uh, please... Be please go on iTunes and leave us a review. Fighting in the War Room. Uh, there are several reasons why I want Dave Gonzalez not to die, but one of them that I think is relevant to anyone out there is that he edits our podcast. And uh, if not for him, this is already all this, this train wreck that you're listening to right now is going to be several times worse. Uh, you don't want to hear what falls into the margins and what he skillfully whisks off the surface. So please go on iTunes, leave us a review for his life. This week, not much. We've been pretty tight, but they won't get any music. Are you? Uh, do you, do you want to die? Like, well, I'm trying to help you out here, bro. <laughs> well, you can do it without me. Dave Gonzalez. You can follow me on Twitter at da 70 You could listen to my other podcast, The Lost Rewatch, uh, The Storm, A Lost Rewatch podcast. Where are you watching Lost? And uh, to kill me, you have to find me. So I could foresee a world where we don't get reviews, and I just live under a death sentence. Where any of you time, you guys see me, you know I have the black spot and. It's your job to execute me. 
In which case, I don't fear any of you because your children don't want to see you execute me, right? Try to get me alone. Follow me on Twitter at DA70. Uh, I'm Katie Rich. You can find me at VanityFair.com and on the Little Goldman podcast where this week we have two really remarkable interviews going. Uh, Mike Hogan talked to Giancarlo Esposito, who's talked for like an hour and included a lot of talking about uh, Do the Right Thing. And then I like pseudo moderated a conversation between Leslie Linka Goddard, who is executive producer on Homeland and has directed an episode of basically every TV show you've ever seen, including the pilot of the Gilmore Girls. And she was talking to Amy Sherman Palladino. They have been friends for decades. Uh, they were incredible. They were on the phone for an hour and a half i basically like had to force them off um a very so relatively little of it will make it onto the show but if you're gilmore head like david you gotta listen david i'm really excited for you to hear it i might just like send you the like transcript for all the parts that don't make it on the show anyway it was good uh you can find me on twitter at katie rich k-a-t-e-y-r-i-c-h and we're all on twitter at f-i-t-w-r where you can tweet at us about your halloween plans or answer this week's lightning round question which was in honor of new mutants only in theaters what franchise needs a horror movie entry don't answer fighting in the war room or they'll kill me (laughs) thanks for listening and we'll be back talking to you next week